Hey everyone, welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, today, we're breaking down the trade deadline. It is Monday night as we're recording this. I'm hoping to get this up Tuesday. Uh, I think I might probably publish it Monday night, so if you're real early, uh, it might not even be Tuesday yet. But uh, yeah, we got a lot to break down here. Uh, should probably just hop right in it. Chase and I discussed it, and we've decided that we're going to go team by team. Um we, we figured this would be the easier way, just kind of give, you know, some teams obviously didn't do much, so we'll just kind of give a brief overview and, and skip past them. But we figured it'd be easier for, especially the teams that did a lot. There's not many player-for-player player trades uh, like there might be in the offseason or whatever, so you don't really need to, a lot of time, it's just, hey, did this team do a good job selling overall? And not it's more about, I think, the overall deadline than it is any individual trade, so... Uh, yeah, that's probably how we'll just jump right into it here. And we'll start with the first team, and that's the Anaheim Ducks, which were one of the busier teams. We will definitely be getting to um, for, you know, the, the deadline, really. I mean, obviously, uh, I, I believe we talked about the Josh Manson trade, correct? I think so, because we're talking about how underwhelming it was for uh, for Anaheim. Yes, yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. Um, so, yeah, I was just going back to check that, but uh, – they, they did not stop there, and they're in a real good position now because um, they also end up trading Lindholm. Uh, Raquel goes as well. They got rid of a lot of their big RFAs, or UFA, sorry. Um, so as I just scramble to try and pull up. Ooh, you know what? I bet you Cap Friendly lets me sort by team. Yes, they do. God bless these guys. Um, so, yeah, a couple of trades here. Uh, let's start with just we already had the Manson trade. Uh they traded Delorier for a third round pick to the Minnesota Wild. That was one I didn't see coming, especially getting a third for it. Uh, yeah, and then, serious. yeah, like that was great, right? And then the big one, Hampus Lindholm to the Boston Bruins for John Moore, Earl Reckoninen, a 2022 first round pick, a 2023 second round pick, and a 2024 second round pick. They got the bag for Lindholm. And this is exactly what we were talking about, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm surprised they couldn't do it for uh, for Manson, but they definitely crushed it with Lindholm. Yeah, so they, they have retained for Lindholm. So Lindholm is now at 2.6 uh, for this year. Then Boston goes and uh, gives them a contract extension as well. So we'll get to that when we get to the Boston Bruins. But um, yeah, like I, this is the exact thing. And then they do it with Raquel as well. They get a 2022 second round pick, Dominic Simone, Zach Aston Reese, and Cal Klang, which uh, I believe is a, a prospect. I don't think a really good one because Pittsburgh obviously doesn't have it. They retain 35% on Raquel. So 1.3 mil Raquel's cap. It is now 2.4. Um, maybe a little more underwhelming, but I think this kind of speaks to how they should have traded Raquel a year ago, even two years ago, maybe. Yep. Because they also could have got the bag for Raquel a couple of years ago, presumably. Yeah, I think so. And it's, you know, like I, I think it would have been an automatic first plus and probably a better prospect. Um, Zach Aston Reese is an okay player. Like he's a fine roster player, but yeah, he's he's a guy. I assume he was just there to make the salaries work, to be honest. I think so as well. And maybe even the contracts. I don't know how many contracts Pittsburgh has on them, but um, yeah, obviously the big one here is Lindholm, but even just in general, like. They have really put themselves in a great spot again. And this is exactly what we're talking about. They now come out of this deadline with two firsts this year, two seconds this year. They don't have their own third, but they have their own fourth. They have two fifths, uh, Nashville sixth. They don't have their own seventh. Next year, they already have their first three second rounders and two third rounders. So like they're already, and in 2024, they already have two second rounders. So they're already starting to load up on picks. Um, this gets them in a nice spot now where, 
you know, they have that youngish core and they can kind of hopefully supplement around it, whether that's either moving, maybe one of those picks, you know, if Boston goes on a bit of a run, maybe it's a later pick and, and it works out better. They can move it for a good roster player, like, uh, like a Brock Besser or something like that this off season. Um, or they can just, you know, take a selection and take a couple swings at uh, what are supposed to be a couple of good drafts coming up here. Yeah, exactly. And by all accounts, they're a really, really smart team, at least at the draft. Um, so <laughs> it seems like it's like what everybody wanted Jim Benning to do, right? Like if you if you think you're good at drafting, give yourself shots at it, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I really like Anaheim's deadline. Um, I, don't know, I wish we could grade it as we go along here, too. I think I would uh, I'd give it an A, honestly. I, I think... They traded who they needed to trade. You know, Gantzlav obviously, I think, is just staying aflame for good, and that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, you don't have to get rid of every veteran, and that's the one I think we want to see kind of stay there for his career. So I would give this an A. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, w- I was going to say, like, a B plus. It, sellers I always find more tough, right, because, like, the market just kind of is what the market is, but they definitely did everything you could have realistically asked of them. Yeah, for sure. And it's hard to know what alternatives there were, right? Like, because yeah, like your grade could change if you chose not to sell on another player because you were quote unquote only being offered a fourth or whatever. Yeah, 100%. Whereas like looking at their roster, like they did everything that was important. Yes. And that's why I think, you know, a B plus is fine. If you want to say the trades were a little underwhelming, maybe, but I, I would go a, a minus area just because there was a very real looking possibility that at one point they were just going to keep two or all three of these guys. And that would have been a massive mistake. Yeah. It would have been very NHL of these guys just be holding on to all of them for no apparent reason, or maybe selling like one or something like that. Exactly. So um, on to the Calgary Flames, next team in the division. Uh, so obviously they had the Toffoli deal. That was their main thing. Then they go up and they pick a, pick up Callie Yarncroak at 50% retained. And they give up a second, a third, and a seventh for this. That seemed – and this happened before the deadline. And when that trade broke, you know, five days before the deadline, everyone kind of went. And that was the same day the Sherratt trade broke. And we went, ooh, is this going to be a seller's market? Because there are some high, high prices. I liked Yarncroak as a player. I thought it was the perfect guy to target. A second, a third, and a seventh is quite the uh, quite the price. Yeah, that's pretty aggressive for a guy who offers abs. Like he's he's a good defensive player. He's a good overall player, and he was half retained. So, and one million overall after that. So, I assume that's a big part of it. But for a guy that doesn't really offer any offensive upside, I was surprised at how, how high the price was. And by that, I mean he doesn't score many points. Uh, which is usually the easiest way to figure out value. Yeah, especially because then, so they go and pick up Ryan Carpenter, who makes $1 million. They give up a 2024 fifth for him. Um, I don't think Carpenter's like way, way worse than Callie Yarncroft. Not uh, multiple pick rounds different, that's for sure. Yeah, they're probably within error bars of each other. I mean, I'm, I would bet on Yarncroke being better, but not by like, a, by like a massive degree. No, like, I mean, over the past three seasons, uh, Evolving Hockey at least has Carpenter. He doesn't provide anything offensively, but he's been the much better defensive forward, which I do think will fit into Sutter's system. So, like, I don't mind that pickup for Calgary. It's like a, a fourth-line depth option. But I, the, the Yarncroke one was just more surprising how damn much they gave up. 
yeah, they're kind of similar players, and it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I, like, I guess, like you said, they probably will do relatively well in Calgary. I'm sure you'll see their expected goals against numbers crater, and it just gives them more depth overall. Yeah, Calgary's all in this year. They uh, gave up their first, third, fourth, sixth, next year's third, next year's fifth, and then already in 2024, they don't have a fifth and a seventh. I think a very common trend, I don't know if you noticed this, but I think we'll notice as we get into the picks here more, you know how everyone's been touting 2023 is a deep, deep draft? I think teams yep. are kind of kind of seeing that as well because we saw a lot of 2024 picks move. I can't remember the last deadline we saw this many freaking picks move two years in advance like this. Yeah, it definitely feels like the league's pretty high on that draft and doesn't seem to care about 2022 all that much. Yeah, and like even 2024, I, I haven't heard anything about the 2024 class because they're – 15 years old right now or 14 years old right now right but um yeah like they just i i cannot remember a year where i saw so many picks traded two and a half years out as it felt like, like it feels like anyone who bought gave up a 2024 pick at least one this year yeah pretty much so um yeah that was the only thing i just figured that was gonna bug me all podcast because i wanted to stop mention it but um yeah so that, that's calgary um I would say a pretty, I'd give them like a B, probably a B. I, I really, I really like the, assuming we're counting the to fully trade as part of their deadline, I would give them a B. Yeah. I might even say like a minus for them. I really didn't like how much they paid for Yarn Croak, but like in terms of war added, Toffoli's huge because of the term left on him, right? And he's legitimately good. So it's not like, like they could recoup what they paid for Toffoli in two years if they're bad by when selling them. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think maybe I, yeah, maybe I bumped into like a B plus A minus kind of thing. Cause I do think there should be something to their credit of seeing how bad the specific division is this year and trying yeah. to just jump in. Like we've, we've mentioned that's, it before. They're not having a better option to win. Right. So. Yeah. That's the other thing I was going to mention. Like Goudreau's playing maybe as good as he's ever played. Your division sucks. And your MVP level player is a UFA at the end of the year. Like, go for it this year. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But you have to try right now. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought they had a good deadline. And they're going to be a team to be reckoned with for sure in this, um, you know, in the upcoming uh, playoffs here. Um, on to Edmonton. They did uh, – they made a couple moves today. Definitely less. But uh, – they brought, they brought in Brett Kulak from the uh, Montreal Canadiens at 50% retained, so he makes 925 this year. Uh, they gave up William Loggison, who was one of their defensive prospects. Uh, 2022 second-round pick, the condition, and that's conditional. Uh, the condition is if the Oilers reach the Cup final, Montreal will receive Edmonton's 2023 second-round pick instead, uh, and um, a 2024 seventh-round pick, so another 2024 draft pick. Uh they also brought in then Derek Broussard for a fourth round pick, 2023. Um, and Derek Broussard was 50% retained too. So he makes 412K. Uh, the Kulak one's definitely bigger. I'll let you get your thoughts out. I, I thought the Broussard one is kind of what Edmonton under Ken Allen seems to always do. He's a fine depth player. They brought in a fine depth player. But they, Derek Broussard is the type of player they should really be trying to find in the offseason so they don't have to waste assets on him at the deadline. Yeah, and you wouldn't have thought he should be that hard to find in the offseason. Same with, like, a Brett Kulak. You should be able to find Brett Kulak in free agency. Yeah, especially when the alternative was just not looking free agency at all, but re-sign Tyson Berry and trade for Duncan Keith. 
Yeah, 100%. And that's what I was going to say, too, for, like, grading this team. Because, like, Kulak's underlying. His fancies are pretty good or whatever. He's a reasonably good play driver. And they needed help on the left side. So you could be like, that's really good for them or whatever. But they only need help on the left side because they were absolutely hilariously stupid in the offseason. So it's tough to give them that much credit, too. Yeah, I would say in a vacuum, you get like a B. Like they didn't do anything necessarily wrong or anything like that. But, yeah. um, you know, I didn't think they crushed either of the trades either. Like it was just kind of both standard deadline trades you would see. And but yeah, if you're kind of taking in scenario too, I think you could bump them down to CC plus if you want to like include that. The only reason they're in this spot is because how bad their offseason was. Yeah, like they deserved to need to do that because they did something stupid and they got a bad outcome. Yeah, so um, yeah, I don't know. I would say like I, I if I think this one is kind of like in a vacuum at least. I I give it a B, but um, you know they definitely improved their team. Didn't like sell the farm to do it, but at the same time, like they made the they didn't make themselves a ton better, and they're still just kind of feeling like they're going to waste a year of uh, McDavid and Drysdale's prime. But we'll see what happens come playoff time. They're they're rolling in with the goaltending duo they got. That's one thing for sure. Yep. Yeah, they look to be fair, also, it was probably smart not to buy a ton. Like they're third in their own division, and the Knights are one of the teams behind them. Yeah, you would have had to like really find a good deal to buy. Yeah, or term. Yeah. But like they shouldn't really, they should almost certainly not be getting rentals anyways. So that is one thing I'll give them a pass for that. A lot of people just say, oh, it's McDavid and Dreisaitl's prime. You got to go for it. But it's like the whole reason you got them yourselves into this mess was a lot of like stupid draft decisions and stupid cap decisions. You can't necessarily double down on that every year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, on to the LA Kings. They didn't do much at all. They gave uh, gave up a seventh round pick for Troy Stetcher. I like that. Uh, I think that's, that's probably exactly what LA probably should have done, to be honest. Yeah, I honestly give them an A. So many teams buy in this scenario for no reason because they feel like they have to give the young guys a pat on the back or something stupid. But no, you're a smart draft team. Keep your picks. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, this way they can say, oh, look, we, you know, gave you a, a small piece, but keep doing this next year and we'll give you something bigger. Um, it kind of sounded like they were one of the teams that were probably in on Chitron. And again, that would have made way more sense to me because that's not someone just for this year, but three more years in advance and kind of fits you the age of your core, but uh, that fell through. So maybe they circle back in the summer on that. I don't know, but um, yeah, if you, you swing and miss on the big guy who would actually make sense for your team, don't overcompensate and do something stupid, right? Like don't go get Hampus Lindholm or, you know, whoever the big free agent, Ben Chirot, right? Like don't, uh, don't overcompensate, just keep it steady. And they're probably going to lose in the first round and get that experience for their young guys this year. Exactly. They're playing with house money. And the, the one trade they did make, like a seventh for Troy Stetcher, that's great. You can even re-sign Stetcher at probably a cheaper or the same price. That'd be good, too. And they avoided the trap of giving up a second for their Brian Boyle here. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I I think an A is a fair one as well. Again, like these are all have to be graded um, situation-based. It's not just value in, value out. It's where the team is, too. And and where they are in a rebuild or, you know, what we expect. So um, a team that did, did not, this deadline didn't make any sense to me is the San Jose Sharks. Uh, so they had a big piece that we talked, but they could kind of kickstart the rebuild in Thomas Hurdle. Instead, a couple of days before the deadline, they go, no, you know what we should do? 
sign a 28 year old. We, you know, we don't have enough of guys aging in their thirties on long contracts that are uh, um, not who they used to be. So let's sign another one, eight years by 8.1 cap hit for Thomas Hurdle, who's already 28 years old, man. I, I hate this deal. I I cannot stand it uh, for San Jose. Yep. I give them uh, probably an F, not because of the deal itself. He's prob his expected value per Dom's model precisely lines up with this. The deal itself isn't necessarily problematic, but they said they think they're contenders. Yeah. They think they're like a good playoff team that can, can keep on competing. It's like, you're not that. You're horrible and getting worse. Yeah, you're only getting older. Like, you're still getting a decent year out of Eric Carlson, and that's only going to get worse. Yep. And, like, like Brent Burns is 37. He's got three more years after this one on his contract. Vlasic is 34 and sucks and has four more years after this one at 7 now. Yep. Couture's only – like, that Couture contract – probably isn't considered an albatross yet but it will be yeah absolutely yeah. and like they they trade uh so they, they sold a little bit at the deadline today they pick up uh capo kakinen and a 2022 fifth round pick from minnesota for jacob middleton who was a chief defenseman that apparently the leafs looked at as well uh, and then they flipped andrew cogliano at uh 57 to 500k uh, to Colorado and got a fifth as well. So you end up coming out of this deadline where you probably could have got a first and mul- or multiple picks and a good prospect and you get Capocacan and two fifths. And like, apparently they actively did not sell on James Reimer because they want to compete. Which is hilarious. Yeah. They, they deserve as bad as a great as you can get because they clearly just don't understand where they are in the league. Like it's just completely blind. Like if the Penguins sign that hurdle contract, you're like, fuck it. Good deal. Good for you. But uh, yeah, the Sharks can't do this. No, like, yeah, like if any team that was even remotely close to the playoffs signed that contract, the flames I'd probably be like, even? Like, yeah. Like, I'd be like, okay, like, I uh, I don't know if I would have done that yet, but like, what other, like, if you think you're a good team, go for it. Like, the Blues, the Wild, like, it makes sense for, or it makes more sense at least for, any of the other teams that are actually in the playoffs, but yeah, like these guys are objectively bad. I just don't see the area where they get better in the next couple of years. Yeah. So unless William Eklund's like the best player in the league on his ELC or something. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I saw one deluded fan saying they have like a top five prospect pool. I was like, I have not heard that about the San Jose Sharks. Maybe I have not been paying attention, but um, those prospects all better start hitting if that is the case, because this team and even if they do, like this team is so cash, like they have so many contracts that are going to be, and Timo Meyer's up after next year too. So if they extend him to like an eight, I'm assuming he's going to be asking close to what Hurdle's asking for. Or just well, he's got a ten million dollar qualifying offer. Yeah. So like, like and they and let, let's say they go like eight by eight point five for Timo Meyer, who will be twenty seven by the time his new deal's up. That means you'll have eight for eight million tied up in Couture until he's like 38 or 37, you'll have 8 million tied up in hurdle until he's 36. I want to say um, you'll have eight plus tied up in Timo Meyer until he's 35. Um, you'll have 11 and a half tied up in Carlson until he's 35. You'll have eight tied up in Brent Burns until he's 40. 
and seven tied up in Vlasic until he's 38. Like, how much money did I just list out there? I listed well over half the cap. Yep. Yeah, like, if I told you William Eklund is guaranteed to win the Calder next year, would you still put these guys above even money to make the playoffs? No. That's just magically getting the Calder winner out of thin air, which he might be really good. But even if you could guarantee that, yeah, they're not even favorites to make the playoffs. I yeah, just, like, it's just, it's insane. So, yeah, I don't know what the hell this management group is thinking, but they are absolutely in denial if they think uh, they're even relatively close to a playoff team or getting better or anything, because this is not a down year. They've now had three down years in a row. Yep, they're just bad. Yeah, like that is just being shit at this point. So, um, yeah, I, I I really don't know what to say, to be honest. But um, uh, Tina did do some selling here, a bunch of selling, actually. Uh, they, they made one re-signing, but it's the Seattle, it's the Seattle Kraken. Uh, they re-signed Jared McCann to a five-by-five. Five. Um, I didn't hate this. Like, McCann is 26. I think he'll be 27 when the deal kicks in. So it takes him until he's 32. Um yeah, he, he turns uh, 27 in May, in May, so it takes him until he's 32. I think this is more of a, we just kind of need players on our team anyways, and we just got, like, they just got rid of the captain too, so it's like, even if our team's not going to be good for another year or two, we kind of just need someone that the fans might know and have around, and you need to pay someone. I, I didn't hate the mechanic extension. I thought it was maybe a little more than... Uh, what I'd be willing to pay him, but if you're a bad team, I think it's one where you probably get away with it. Yeah, hundred percent. Like if if the Leafs sign this contract because they kept him, uh, his RAPM charts going around Twitter and everybody's dunking on it right now because McCann got a little overrated this off season thanks to some really generous percentages last year and early this year. But like, I don't know, for an expansion team, somebody's got to play. They have to hit the cat floor and all that. He's competent enough player, and it's not like five million bucks is crazy. So that's it's fine. Yeah, he's still really good on the power play too. Like he's had a ton of power play power play points this year. So I think yeah, that doesn't gotta look be like. Least... Well, the easiest, easiest way to produce on the power play is like all star players too, and those don't look like they're coming anytime soon. So it's probably nice to have somebody you can produce there on this team. Yeah, I totally agree. So. Um... Yeah, and then uh, and again, like that was the only signing they made, and then they they went and traded a uh, bunch of guys. So that Victor Rask, they they picked up Victor Rask. Actually, I thought that was weird. Um, they picked up Victor Rask for future considerations at fifty percent retained. This is basically, and then they sent him straight to the AHL. This is basically just to help Minnesota get under the cap, which I didn't really understand. My big brain conspiracy theory on this, though. Minnesota is not going to be able to keep Kevin Fiala this offseason. What if they get a wink, wink, nudge, nudge deal kind of lined up where Minnesota trades the rights to Kevin Fiala for a little cheaper than they would to some other team because they helped them out with Rask here? That'd be kind of cool. I don't know if that's actually – yeah, I don't even know if that's legal, but, like, it just kind of like – that was the only three – maybe they just want Victor Rask as AHL depth. I really don't know, but I just – I kind of thought it was weird to just be purposely taking on money like that. And granted, uh, Rask is a, a UFA at the end of this year. So maybe they were just like, F it, we need a guy for our HL team. And then he can be depth for our NHL team. So we don't have to call anyone else up. But yeah, it could be something like that. Also, his like 
defensive numbers are pretty good, and it looks like that's almost the only thing they've ever cared about as far <laughs> as they've been an NHL franchise. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm, I'm sure that's probably more it than uh, anything to do with Biala. I just like, I was like, ah, oh, that'd be a kind of fun at least if it was that. But uh, they trade Marcus Johansson to the Capitals at 50% retained, so 750K. Get back Daniel Sprong, uh, 2022 fourth and a 2023 sixth. I thought this was fine. Daniel Sprong's not particularly good, but Marcus Johansson isn't amazing either by any stretch of the means. So you get a, a fourth and a sixth and a, a guy who's six years younger than the guy you traded out. And you just kind of hope that you find magic with him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of worth a shot. And it's kind of fun to see Johansson back in, uh, in Washington, but yep. it's not like he was great. You were never going to get the bag for him anyways. No, I think a fourth and a sixth is kind of – I think that's better than, like, a third-round pick or anything, right? Like, well, there'll definitely be a team we'll talk about trade value with or a pick value anyways uh, coming up. But, um, yeah, and then they trade Mason Appleton for 2023 fourth, uh, Jeremy Lawson for a 2022 second. Steel and, deadline. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good trade, eh? Beautiful. We'll get I to that when we get to Nashville. But, uh, yeah, and then Mark, Mark Giordano – at 50% retained, so $3.375 million, and Colin Blackwell for uh, two seconds, so a 2022 second, a 2023 second, and a 2024 third-round pick. Um, we'll get to that from Toronto's uh, uh, side in a second, but um, I thought that was a pretty good return for Seattle. Like, if you yeah. became clear you weren't getting a first, getting two seconds and a third is pretty solid. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, not having the first makes the return look a little underwhelming, but they get three top 90 picks or whatever, instead of one first round pick this year, that's probably going to be like 25th or later. I kind of like it, even though not having a first doesn't look, doesn't look nearly as good when you're tweeting the return or whatever. Yeah. I've long talked about like, if you know, and like, obviously Toronto's a tough one. Cause I think there's, you know, I, you know, people laugh, but there is a good chance that they could go on a deep run, but how disgustingly good their division is. There's an, equal chance that instead of going on a run, they're just out first round and that pick is 22nd or whatever. But I've long said that if you can't get a first from teams or even like a, like a team like Tampa, where it's like, you think they are going to go deep, go for multiple seconds and a third instead, or, you know, a second, multiple thirds and a fifth or whatever instead, because that'll probably get you more aggregate value. Yeah. 100%. And it kind of spreads it out too. Like this team has so many holes to fill in terms of players that are going to be on the team by the time they're contenders. It's kind of nice to have multiple shots at it. Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah, they had the Cal Yarncrook trade, obviously, as well, where uh, they picked up uh, second, a third, and a seventh. So they kind of did at the deadline what we thought they should have done this summer, and that's get a bunch of draft assets. Uh, they now have four second rounders this year and three fourths. Uh, next year, they already have three seconds and two thirds and three fourths. Uh, and then 2024, 20, they already have two thirds and two sevenths. So uh, their draft page is looking a lot better for how underwhelming it was at the start of this year. Uh, this will be an interesting team to kind of keep an eye on. I, I don't, I still don't know if I agree with how they built their team. I, I think they probably thought they were a lot better than they actually are. Um, so, but I, I do think they got, they did a great job right now recouping some value that they probably lost throughout the uh, early process of their opening stages as a team. Yeah, 100%. They're going to be a fun team to watch at the draft, too, because I've heard a lot of stats people, and yet the analytics community as a whole has kind of been like, what the hell are these guys doing the whole time? So hopefully we start to see something smart from them. Yeah, I, I would the give draft. them 
I'd probably give them an A, honestly, for this deadline. Maybe an A minus. Like, I think they got a ton of picks, and I think that's uh, really good. You know, give yourself lots of ammo. Yep. And they got a ton of picks from a roster that kind of sucked. So, so that's impressive enough. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, they, um, oh, shoot. I just got rid of their signing page. Um, yeah, they did a they did a trade. That's for sure. We'll get into one of their trades a lot more <laughs> later. Uh, they uh, they obviously they sent Travis Hamanick to Ottawa for a third, which again we'll get to this later. But that is a pretty good dealing there um, to get a third for uh, Hamanick. Uh, they get a fourth for Tyler Mott in twenty twenty three, and then they they. Not the same third. They took their own third back from Ottawa, but they uh, they had Winnipeg's third. Uh, they flipped that for Travis Dermott. So uh, a light buy, I guess you can say. I wouldn't like. It's kind of a buy, but it's more just like they took a third for a player that they probably see on their blue line in the future uh, in Travis Dermott. I again like the, the third for Travis Hamnick was amazing. I didn't mind paying a third for Dermott if I get if I was Ottawa, I would have rather Dermott than Hamnick. So. I would give this deadline probably a, I'd say a B minus, maybe C plus. Like they didn't have, it's tough because they really didn't have a lot to sell, but they still did nothing either. Yeah. I, I tend to shy away from doing this. I look at the Dermot trade, like a three-way trade. Cause I think that's pretty clear. That's what happened here, even though it wasn't directly, but they still probably should have sold JT Miller. Yeah. That's the thing too, is like, they are so sold on it. It's like, but like, his value is not going to be higher and you're going to have to pay the bag when he's 31 years old to resign this dude. Yeah. Like he has 75 points already. Oh, he's, uh, been, he's, he's been like a borderline, probably top what 10, 15 player in the league over the past two years. Yeah. Like he, he's been very good. He is not like his on a shooting percentage on the power play is insane. I am willing to bet significant amounts of money. He will not be more valuable at next year's deadline than he is right now. No, I, I totally agree. And so he hasn't even been driving play particularly well this year either. So, you know, like. Or last year. Yeah, exactly. So, I, yeah, I think, and that's kind of one of the big things. Like the Hammonick trade alone, like if if he was the only guy you could have sold, I think they would have done a great job. But like, yeah, like I would have even been okay if they sold Besser, to be honest. Unless the play, like if they resign, then the Besser is a tough one because it kind of depends what they do with them in the offseason. But like if they just sell his rights in the offseason because they decide they don't want to resign him, like. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, do they have the money to re-sign him? They do now because they got rid of Hammonick's three million. True. I guess so that, the, in that case, the Dermot kind of flipping stuff was pretty clutch. Yeah, so I, I maybe have a little low, but yeah, I think they probably should have done a little more. This team is not very good, and they seem to, even though they are not as good as Jim Benning, or they, they know they're not as good as Jim Benning thinks they were, I think they still probably think they're a little better than I think they are. A hundred percent. The Vegas Golden Knights, obviously, they did their uh, a lot of a lot of their stuff. Uh, getting Eichel in, in you know the past um, couple months, I guess we'll say uh, they didn't make any trades today. Actually, that's that's not true. I, I don't know why it's not going through, but I'm pretty sure they traded Dadanoff to the Minnesota Wild, and Cap Friendly just has not updated that. Did they um, actually do that, or was that just talked about? It looks like, as far as I know, the last thing I saw was that they actually did do that. That they got it in right at the deadline. Oh, six seconds ago. I literally just opened Twitter. <laughs> Anaheim Las Vegas trade coming down to the wire. Dad oh, yeah, not the second in 2023 or 2024 for John Moore and Ryan Kessler's contract. 
Hmm. So they did end up going with Kessler's contract there. So that'll be LTIR room. That's fine. So that's just to get under the cap then, right? Yes. And I would assume that also probably means if Stone wants to come back earlier than expected, he might be able to now. Okay. Which they need him back. <laughs> yes. Well, then that's the thing. We'll probably talk about this more later, but they're still a very fringe playoff team. They could use uh, Adams, or, I'm sorry, Mark Stone back. Sorry. Um, because, yeah, that, that would go a long way. Yep. Losing Dadanov probably isn't what they wanted to do, but Mark Stone is Mark freaking Stone. So, Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm just trying to see if I can – just trying to find Ryan Kessler. And, and Kessler's contract ends this year, by the way, too. So it's not like – because the big thing with the Shea Weber, people were like, oh, Shea Weber's contract might be an asset for people who want to LTIR. But, like, no. and I'm not – I'm just saying that doesn't work because you need to – have the room for it next season then so you can re-LTIR, right? Like, whereas Kessler, they can put on IR, LTIR, um, that's 6.875 right there. I don't know how the exact financials work, but he's up at the end of this year anyway, so you don't need to worry about it in this summer. Yeah, which is perfect, because that that Dadenoff money was probably going to hurt them pretty bad. Yes, and Dadenoff had one more year on his deal yet too, so getting out of that, getting out of $5 million that you have now to use this summer is going to be clutch as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, let's go on to it. So next division, uh, we'll, we'll try and I, honestly, I feel like the uh, central maybe didn't do as much as some other teams. So this one might be a, a little bit quicker, but uh, we'll, we'll start with the central division here. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, obviously their big move we thought they could make was uh, Chitron and they didn't end up making that. I'm not shocked. I, I, I really do think that's probably a summer move where they kind of, kind of circle back on that. Yeah. And like, that's kind of the opposite of the JT Miller situation, right? Like JT Miller will definitely not be worth more next year. Um, when more teams have more flexibility, I could totally see a world in which Chikrin's actually worth more in the summer. Just yeah, from I, that. I, I totally agree. And like, for some reason, like him being injured with a knee injury, like scared teams away from trading for him for this year. It's like, if you're picking up Chitron, it should be just for this run. Like, yeah, if you're I buying a 23 year old defenseman, you should have long term plans for him, especially a 23 yeah. year old defenseman that will literally be like the most expensive player acquired this summer if he's traded. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, they trade Johan Larson for 2023 third, they trade for Brian Little's contract, uh, and also uh, college player Nathan Smith, who wasn't going to sign with uh, Winnipeg, and they give up a fourth round pick. Uh, Nathan Smith was Winnipeg's third round pick in 2018 and has played the last three seasons with Minnesota, Minnesota State University in the NCAA. This past year, he had 49 points in 34 games as a 23-year-old. So um, I would assume they'll probably sign him and just have him as a roster player, see what they can make out of it next year. I think that's a little aggressive to give a fourth round pick, but I think Brian Little's contract might be just as important to Arizona here where they can just use it to kind of hit the cap. <laughs> How sad is that? that? That's actually true. Yeah. So um, they also, they gave up a 2022 second round pick for Jack McBain, who was another good college player. Minnesota's third round pick, 63 overall in 2018. He's 22. Uh, he played for Boston College in the NCAA this year, 33 points in 24 games. From what I understand is he is, better than the other guy. He's, he's a centerman as well, but I was surprised to see a second come back for that. Um, Arizona's got a billion picks, so it's not like they really, they, they still have three firsts this year, four seconds. 
uh, and then three thirds next year, two fourths, three seconds in 2024, three, uh, two thirds in 2024 and two fourths and two sevenths that year. So um, I, I thought that was a lot. I would honestly give them probably a C minus to be honest, looking at all this stuff. Like they, they gave, they brought out a second and a fourth. They brought in some college prospects where I guess they're probably just needing bodies to fill their college stadium for the next four years. <laughs> and um, yeah. they didn't sell on, uh, on uh, Kessel. Uh, that that's the one I was interested about. Yeah, I don't know if they just couldn't get anything or what. Yeah, and, and like I, as I said, like I said last week, I think that uh, I said it was totally possible that if Arizona only gets offered like a fifth or a sixth, they might just keep them as their veteran and re-sign them in the summer. Yeah, which would be fine. Yeah, I, if that's all you were getting offered for, I, I don't, uh, I don't think that's a huge issue or anything like that. Yep, because leadership and stuff is overrated but if you're gonna have a whole bunch of young guys in the room at some point um a guy who was at one point like a top 20 player in the league showing them the ropes is probably actually helpful unlike teams that acquire garbage fourth liners and say that it's about leadership yeah and 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 like the thing with castle too is like he just seems genuinely happy to be chilling in the desert too so it's not like a guy who's miserable because he's playing on the worst place team every year yeah and he's gonna be really cheap this summer relative right now too Probably, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know unless they just overpay him just as a thank you, but uh, or to hit the cap on like a one year deal or whatever. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure like the, the options there that he won't be uh, he won't be too expensive. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay, on to Chicago. Um, so they they give up Ryan Carpenter for a fifth. Uh, again, whatever, like sell over a piece you can. Their big one, though, two big ones. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury was today 50% retained, 3.5 million. They get a 2022 second round pick, and that's conditional. Uh, the condition on the pick is if uh, Minnesota reaches the Western Conference final and Fleury has at least four wins. So if, if uh, Fleury wins half the games en route to the Western Conference final, the 2022 second becomes a 2022 first. Uh, and that's it. That, that's all. Um, this kind of goes back to why when. Every year there's like five goalies that people are like, oh, you could go get this guy or that guy. And this guy might go for a haul. It's like no goalie ever goes for a haul. Yep. Ever. No, like Marc-Andre Fleury was the Ben Chirot of this deadline where it's like people were touting him since he got traded to Chicago as trade bait. And granted, part of it is they basically had an agreement. They weren't trading him anywhere he didn't want to go. And it sounded like there were specific places he didn't want to go. Like he nixed the trade to Washington. There was rumors he didn't really want to go to Toronto either. Um, so that that might have drove down the value a little, but like I just I genuinely can't remember too many goalies going for a large price. No, and Ryan Miller was a second precisely too back in the day, right? Yeah, I believe so. So like that seems to kind of be the ceiling on goalies who are realistically being moved. Yep. Yep. So um, and then the, the other trade that uh everyone, excuse me, everyone was talking about a couple of days ago. They sent Brandon Hangel, who has two more years after this one at 1.5, and two fourth-round picks to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk, a 2023 first-round pick, and a 2024 first-round pick. Both of those are top 10 protected, which is the key here. Wow, we have a lot. This is the one trade I want to talk about, I think. when it, Let's just talk about it from both sides now. Yeah, that's because. Fair. It's like the only thing Tampa did too. So. Yes, exactly. And so this is a huge one because this broke that the Twitter. Everyone went, Tampa gave up how much for who? And because your immediate reaction reading it is two first round picks 
Taylor Radish, I knew that guy. He played in the World Juniors. And Boris Kachuk, I knew that guy. He played in the World Juniors. They gave up all that for a guy I've never heard of in two fours? What are you doing? When in reality, if you stop and look at this, this was a great trade, in my opinion, from the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't know if it was great. It was definitely better than it looks at first glance, though. I think given their cap situation, it was absolutely great. That's fair. Now, the, like a league average-ish player, though, right? Yeah, like he's a middle six guy, probably. Yeah. But like the thing like, is, I don't get everyone knocked in. There's like, oh, he's playing with Kane and Debrinkit in Chicago. Do you know how many fucking good players they have on Tampa that he's going to be able to play with? <laughs> That's true. Like, it's My not problem like is though, like the be... on ice shooting for or his shooting percentage is insane. That's true, but like they don't even they don't even really need him to shoot like crazy. You know, like they no. just kind of need him to be a cheap guy who can either be the third best player on their first or second line, or just be an upgrade on like Corey Perry on their third line. Yeah, but like and I, I think he absolutely can do that. I think. The two things that I say were a drawback from Tampa is a trading a 2024 first. I don't care who you are. Tampa is one of the few teams I feel kind of confident doing it, but it's still a little risky. It being top 10 protected makes me feel a lot better at least. Yeah. Although from Tampa's perspective too, like if you think you're smarter than everyone else, the utility of Brandon Hagel does actually go down too, right? I guess, but like, I guess it depends. Do you see Brandon Hagel as like being someone who can make the Blake Coleman type of jump? Because I don't want, you know what I hate? I hate when people want Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau in the same, as if they were the same player. (laughs) Yeah, Coleman was like legitimately amazing. (laughs) One of those guys were so much better than the other guy, where like one was a fourth liner and one was like a first liner, basically. And like, it kind of depends to me where they see like do they see Hagel as closer to Coleman or Goudreau? And I, I don't really know. Like, I, I think, think they, they see him significantly better than Coleman if you're giving up two first for him. I get, but like the other thing is too, he's under contract for an extra year and cheaper than Coleman was. Yeah, yeah, like the contract is awesome. So the, the other thing I think you could say, and we would kind of talk about this on Twitter too, is the opportunity cost is the big question. Yeah. And so the question basically becomes like, could you have gotten more value by using one of your first to offload Alex Kalorn and or Palat or someone like that? Like take your pick on the one of the not as good contracts, right? Hell, I'd even throw Ryan McDonough in there. But could you use an opportunity cost to offload one of those versus and then and then bring in someone else with the other first for maybe a little more money than Brandon Hagglesworth with having those guys there. And I don't know the answer to that, to be honest. I think it's unequivocally yes. Like what? if you're a smart team, you should be able to find Brandon Hagel pretty easily. Probably, but like we say that, and then so few teams do it consistently. Yeah, that's fair. But like it all like I think it keeps coming back to like again, like Tampa can't be really smart and like need this specific guy, right? Sure. And like yeah, like I, I don't know. Like it, it depends because 
I, I think one of the things too is like we always praise Tampa for their development. And like they do have like I think they're above average team when it comes to development, but like Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk were supposed to be their Brandon Haggles as well. And they are not that good. Yep. Right? Yeah, they're just not that. Which I just is the keep other coming back to the fact that Haggles numbers only look a little bit better than average while shooting 22%. Yeah, like, I guess. He's also... Like, like, how good could you realistically be then? I mean, I don't think he's, like, a... Like, I, I don't think he's Blake Coleman. That's for sure. Yeah. And then that's why it's, like... I, I really dislike how how often we're going to have to freaking hear this is the Coleman and Goudreau trade or they're looking for that again or whatever. But, like, yeah, I think he's a fine... Like, he's a fine player. He's 23 years old. This is the other thing. People are going nuts that they traded Radish and Kachuk. Heckle's younger than both of them. Yes. Yeah, and Hagel, Hagel has a lot more upside than both of those two, for what it's worth. I guess he could also get better. He is relatively relatively young. Yeah, like, I I wouldn't be surprised if this is what he is, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, like, I, again, like, I'd be a little surprised if he turned into Blake Coleman, but if he took another step forward and was just, like, he could drive his own third line or he was a solid, a solid enough second liner, like, as the third guy on the second line, like, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world because I think right now he's like, he can, he can definitely be the third best guy, but he needs to be clearly the third best guy, or he can be like a fine third liner probably. But I don't think he's like, like you're not going to be able to put him on a third line and he's driving two guys that are less good than him. I doubt. Yeah, that's true. Well, think about it now. Like, if Coleman had three years instead of two and they gave up th- two firsts for Coleman, would you have been happy? Would you have said it was a good trade? At the time or with how it turned out? Obviously, with how it turned out, everybody would be fine with it because I want yeah. two cups. But like at the time, would you have been like, is this good? Probably. I don't. Like, the, two yeah, probably. For Blake Coleman to be on their third line back in the day. I mean, if you if you're th- saying that this is the guy we're identifying to be someone to come in and help our good players, you know, push them to the next level. I think the thing, the difference too is, I think that that why people would really freak out about that isn't because of the amount of first. It's because people would legitimately go, "You just got swept by uh, Columbus. Are you really giving up a first round pick two years in advance?" Like that would be the problem for people more than the first itself, don't you think? Yeah, that would have been the problem for stupid people. But like, if they did that back in the day, I would have been like, "This is fucking insane for Blake Coleman," and I think he's better than Hagel is right now. Is what I was thinking. I guess I don't know, but like the other thing, like, so we always talk about finding market inefficiency. To me, a market inefficiency is realizing that two fourths, if your picks are going to be twenty-five to thirty-two. Two fourths are not drastically as disgusting of a gap as people probably think they are compared to if your two first end up being like 12th and 13th overall. Yeah. So that's definitely true. And like on a vow, like on a goals above replacement of the Chicago picks versus Brandon Hagel in the fourth, or the first, I mean, versus Brandon Hagel in the fourth, Tampa Bay almost certainly won this trade. But part of first round picks being relatively overvalued does mean that opportunity cost is also way higher than it should be right yeah for sure but again like it just kind of depends like 
don't know. So like you look, let's say instead of going for Haggle, they spend one of their first getting rid of probably Clorn, right? That's probably their worst contract. But do you need a first to do that? I would assume like they tried getting rid of like people this summer and could barely get Chicago to take Tyler Johnson. Kalorn's going to score like 60 points this year after winning two cups. I guess that's true, but you probably could have got positive assets for Kalorn. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's true. Look at his points. I know, but like people would have been like, he's making 4.45. He's 32 and he's only getting those points because he's on Tampa. Anybody else? And he's got an extra year. That makes him automatically better no matter what, because there's a ring on both of his fingers. Okay. But Tyler Johnson won a cup. And they had the yeah, but Tyler, Tyler Johnson, Johnson won two cups. Legitimately sucked at this point. Kalorn's like, like I said, he's gonna score like 60 points this year. Oh, uh, Johnson had points too. He didn't have six. By the end, but... everybody knew he was cooked, right? Like Kalorn but... is today putting up points in a way that Tyler Johnson hasn't for a while. I guess, but or like so, to make a okay, haggle so like then... player you just send Yan Ruida the other way, and then then you're fine. So let's say well, the problem is they don't have other picks than, that are not their first. But what, what do you think it takes? To, I don't think you're getting positive asset. Like, I think if you're but the, okay, but then the other thing too is like if you're trying to move Kalorn for the salary, you're giving up a 60 point player. So, like, by your line, isn't that bad? Like, if you're giving that up, you didn't like, what, have Kalorn, right? Like, okay, but like, so who, who are you moving, I guess, then? Like, is it McDonough? Could be like you're Tampa Bay, you're the cap wizards. You could probably figure out something better than two firsts for a guy to play on your third line. What, like, who I, I don't, I generally don't know if you can because they don't, they literally do not have cap room. Like, you like, basically sure. have to probably move someone out, right? And I just, yeah. I genuinely do not know who that is. If it's not Kalorn, I don't think it, like, I don't think they're willingly trying to move Plato. They'll let him walk this year at 5.3, I would assume. Wait. Yan Ruida and Brandon Hagel make like the same amount of money. Sure. So, like, do you want to say you move? You just don't sign Yan Ruida, I guess. Just but like, flip him in the deal or whatever. Like, there's yeah, sure, got to like, be a way to find Brandon Hagel cheap. I refuse to believe that there is. It's it's more about the fact that Chicago knew he was 23 on a three year deal yet, and still is good is a good player. True, but like if you just save your first, you could like those two firsts and then like a two prospects is literally what like Jacob Chikrin's gonna go for in the summer, right? I yeah, I guess, but I think they'll probably better prospects than Kachuk and Radish, to be fair. Yeah, but, but it'll probably not uh maybe it'll be two first, but you know what I mean. I, I think it would probably be two first, honestly. I could see it. Two first and like an actually good prospect, maybe. Did Eichel get two first? No, Eichel, did Eichel get this? Yeah, Eichel got one first for sure. But he got Tuck as well, which I, for some reason, people, like, loved. Yeah, Tuck's been good this year, actually. I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. I just, like, if Tuck got flipped at this deadline, do you think he'd go for a first? Um, I just did, that's a good question. Probably just because there are so few good players available. I don't know if the maybe, league yeah. like, values them that highly, but in, like, the seller's market or whatever yeah it just kind of like, like high-end high-end players available right like there was nobody no like all-star forwards traded yeah exactly like Giroux was the closest thing we got right like and yeah. but yeah like, I just meant like for for talk it was just kind of a weird a weird inclusion considering I thought if you're trading Eichel you probably just want as many possible futures as you can Picks but, and shit, yeah but yeah I, I don't know like I, I thought I like this deal from Tampa a lot more than most people did 
the biggest thing is the opportunity cost, but like, I can't, like, I just, I genuinely don't, if you're going to be mad that they spent a first on Brandon Hagel, I don't know how many more players are out there that you're truly going to go spend a good first on that they have the cap room to do if we're not wanting to move anyone. Cause like, they, they are like, now this off season might be a little different and maybe you say, well, once Palat walks, that's when you try and use, but like uh, points extension kicks in this year too. So a lot of Palat's money is going right to him because he's getting a three mil raise. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, was there another? No, I guess it's Patrick Maroon's extension. So that's a hundred K that's not a big deal, but yeah, I, like, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was, I, I like the deal for them. I think it's, it's definitely one where it's like if there was it's tough to know because obviously we can't know who else was available but if it comes out that like someone else super cheap was available for a first like sure maybe then you could argue but given that we know late first are nowhere near as valuable as top mid or even top round first and fourth round picks probably aren't as not valuable and both uh, like radish and kachuk they're not very good players like they're not they're, they're probably nhlers but They've looked like four liners at this point. Like Taylor Radish on point pays for 18 points this year. Yeah, they're fine to get rid of. I don't think they really offer plus or minus much above replacement level, to be honest. Yeah. Well, so and then I guess I'll flip this back too, because I kind of understand why Chicago does this deal too. Which is as weird as like as much as I just defended from Tampa, I think if you're Chicago and I get it, like it sucks because you're probably getting late first round picks. So your value is not really there. And that's the kind of player you want for Hagel, but, or like, sorry, I should say, if you're picking in the 22 to 30 range, you're probably trying to find guys like Hagel uh, and you'll spend, you might spend multiple picks doing it. But to me, I look at like Chicago needs game breakers and a 2023 first and a 2024 first is probably a better option for them to get a game breaker than Brandon Hagel would be. Yeah. hundred percent. I like it a lot from, Chicago's perspective because even if you understand that these late firsts are overvalued by the rest of the league still mean you're like you're still allowed to trade it for Brock Besser or something in the summer or whoever right? yeah and, and that is a good point too right like the, we say the opportunity cost for Tampa well to me it's lessened because they don't even have the cap space to do stuff Chicago absolutely does if Kevin Fiala or Brock Besser yep. or whatever come yeah, up and that that's like what it costs to go or even hell like Jacob Chitrin if he comes up and it's the extra first is what you need or whatever. Cause God knows they don't have their own first this year. Um, you know, like if something like that comes up, then yes, they can go and use that pick and that gets them an actual good roster player. So I like it from Chicago's side. Uh, they got, I, I give them a, probably an A, maybe a B plus kind of, kind of in that range. Like they just kind of did what they probably should and got a little bit more than, you know, maybe you thought they would for Brandon Nagel. So good, I guess. Yeah, it reminds me of when uh, I said Edmonton's grade's worse than it was because they put themselves in that position. I think you could bump Chicago from like an A to an A plus if you account for the fact that like signing that Brandon Hagel contract put them in a beautiful position to do this. Yes, uh, yeah, that's very fair. Um, and then for Tampa, they also went and got Nick Paul. Uh, I love Nick Paul as a Sens fan. Uh, he's going to be a great fourth liner for them. He can jump up in the lineup if really needed to, but I think he'll be a defensive fourth liner for them. Um, as much as like, I'll give Tampa's deadline, like a, a B because again, like I, I like the trade a lot more than most, but, um, it's not like they got a, a true difference maker either at the same time. Right. But they, they also don't need one. Like their team is so damn good that they're going to be a favorite regardless. But I, I thought it was a, a good trade deadline for both teams. 
Yeah, I, I'm fine with like a B from Tampa. It was, I definitely don't think it was like horrible from Tampa. I just, I don't know. I keep going back and forth. At first, I hated it. Then I started to really like it. Now I'm starting to go back the other way. So maybe in a week, I'll feel wildly differently too. Which probably just means it was a fine trade. Yeah. You know, like yeah, that's I think what I'm it's... trying to think. Like not too high, not too low. It was probably just somewhere right in the middle there. Yeah, like there's definitely a smart thing that they did where they maybe realized a market inefficiency, but maybe they didn't factor in, you know, opportunity cost as well. So uh, Colorado Avalanche, um, they are definitely all in this year. And we kind of talked about in the past year, it passed as well, that this kind of has to be the year they're all in because, you know, the cap crunch starts next year. Um, They pick up Cogliano from San Jose for a fifth. They pick up Arteri Lekanen for Justin Barron, who was their second rounder a couple of years ago in a 2024 second uh, I really like our Terry Lekkinen as a depth player. I think that's a really good fit with his Avs team. Yeah, he's going to blend right in with, like, Nichushkin on that third line, probably. Yeah, I think so. And that, that could be a really good, like, shutdown line kind of thing. 100%. And then, uh, obviously, Josh Manson on the defense floor. We've talked about that. So, they were kind of, like, more quiet than I felt like they were. But that's just because Manson happened last week. Um, I would give it a B, maybe B minus. I would say like they they did add talent, especially in Lekkonen, and I think Josh Manson's overrated, and they probably gave up a little too much for him. But when you like, I would rather get Manson for the package he went for than Lindholm at that uh, at that price. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I I would give it a B probably. Like they added some depth, with, which they could really use if they want to go on a long run. But they they didn't get any game breakers. I don't think either by any means. Yeah, I'm good with that. Be pretty pretty buoyed by the Arturi Lekkinen thing. I think he's going to be awesome on that for depth for them. And depth has depth was the problem in the playoffs last year for them, was it not? Uh, yeah, it has been for a couple of years, to be honest. Depth up front, so yeah, worked well. So exactly. Uh, the Dallas Stars. God, we talked about this, I think, last year or last week too, right? About how they uh, they signed Pavelski, and it looks like they're going to keep. They kept Klingberg, obviously. They then spent a fourth on Nemestikov and. Fuck it, man. I guess like if you're gonna keep the band, just go all out. Uh, fourth isn't much or anything like that. It just I, I can't believe this team didn't sell. Uh, the this is what like Anna. This is what Anaheim would be. They're a little better than Anaheim to be fair, but like this just kind of reminds me of what Anaheim would have been if they just kept Manson, Lindholm, and Brickell. Yeah, it was tough not to bring up Dallas when uh, when we were talking about Anaheim because this was the obvious like parallel. Like they're out of the playoffs right now, and the team they're behind is Vegas. And they kept stood pat at the deadline. Yeah, like the, yeah, I we talked like we talked about a lot last time. We're already like we're already over an hour. We haven't even got halfway through this. Um, and but, yeah, I think it's I, I just it's not great. Like I don't think that's a hot take or anything like that. No. So uh, Minnesota, let's get to them now. Um, Victor Rask goes for future considerations. Said that already. Their big move is bringing in Flurry. Uh, I like the condition on the pick. I Flurry's been bad this year, to be honest. But there's probably I don't know. Like we've talked about it a couple times, where it's just kind of funny how his time in uh, Pittsburgh has just disappeared. And like he does deserve some of that because of his late career research. Like having a resurgence this heavily and late in his career should at least erase some of that. But like no, everyone just seems to forget about it. Yeah, completely forget about it. Now, for what so, it's worth, the people Flurry's been replacing now have been even worse than he has. Yes, exactly. Like Talbot hasn't been good this year, and Kakinen sucks. So um, 
And, and like, I just, I don't mind, because especially now, like, you have Talbot and Flurry. like, those are two goalies, yes, granted, they're both old, but uh, they at least have a history of being good at times, and especially in recent, like, years, that, like, even Talbot's been fine for a couple of years, right? So, yep. I think giving yourself two options to go through in the playoffs isn't the worst, and, and they didn't sell the farm to do it. Like, if they go on a run, they're first this year, they lose, but if you make the Western Conference Final, I would say that's probably worth it, right? Like... If you've beat Colorado, it means Flurry played lights out, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. And that pick then suddenly is top like 28 to 30, 29 to 32, and it means a lot less. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I thought their deadline was good. I, I would give them a, probably a B plus. Like they kind of, they're in a tough spot because everyone knows they're going to be cap crunch next year. So this is the, the, the way to go for, uh, go for it. And they're clearly not the favorite in their own division, but I thought they did a kind of nice middling effect there. Yeah, I'm good with a B plus. Keep it conditional because the league juggernaut is in your division on the pick you gave up. But also, there's only like two legitimately good teams in your conference, maybe three, assuming Vegas gets it all together. So it's worth a shot. You're gonna suck at some point in the near future, anyways. So you might as well kick the can. Try it, but you can. Yeah, like this is the best chance they're gonna have to win in uh, in for sure three years. Yep. So. Yeah, I, I I think it was good. Uh, Nashville, disappointing team, man. Uh, another team that they, they decided they're just keeping Forsberg. It sounds like they might let him walk at the se- end of the season too. Like, what? Yeah, like your team's bad, and you're keeping a guy who would have got like a first and a good prospect. Yeah, like they pick up Jeremy Lawson, which you all like. You love that trade, but like, I don't know if that offsets not selling Forsberg. Oh, I love that trade from the other side. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That makes yeah. more sense. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was ridiculous that they paid a second for him. It was awesome. Okay. Love Seattle. I was a little confused. That makes way more sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like they, yeah, like they, they might just let Forsberg walk, but even like extending him just kind of locks you into more money long-term. Like this is, uh, they might get an F from me here. If not, yeah. it's a, like a D minus. <laughs> I'm good with an F for these guys. Cause if they sign that Forsberg extension, he's good, but not that good. So, you know, it's going to suck. Yeah, like there's a chance he gets like an eight by eight this year, right? Or like and maybe seven by seven, like maybe more. He scored 30 goals already. Yeah. So he's just set a franchise record for goals, I think. 58 points in 49 games. He's having a career year at 27 on a mediocre team. Tell me that's not a perfect recipe for a gross overpayment in the offseason. Yeah, I would say so. Um St. Louis. They didn't do a ton. They picked up Nick Letty from Detroit for Oscar Sundquist and a second round pick and Luke Witowski as well. Uh, Nick Letty hasn't been particularly good. I don't think. Yeah. D minus there. Letty's bad. Um, they were almost smart in doing nothing. Cause they're, they're also kind of playing with house money to be as good as they are this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, like I would rather just see that if they're going to spend a second, like go get, I don't know, like go get someone up front or something that helped your forward depth a little bit more. Yeah. Anyone but Nick Letty. Yeah, I just I really don't get that. And like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really high on St. Louis anyways either. I think they're kind of masking behind a very hot Villy Huso run. And Villy yep. Huso either has to be like Carey Price peak-esque or they're not winning. Yep, exactly. So uh Winnipeg, they they get a haul for uh cop. Um, but they kind of the strange thing to me is why they 
they didn't want to fully sell because they went and picked up uh, Zach Sanford for a fifth. And I really didn't understand that one. But um, the cop trade, they pick up Morgan Barron, a 2022 second round pick, a 2022 second round uh, pick as well. That's conditional. A 2023 fifth. Uh, so the conditions on the 2022 second, um, if it is the the one from New York, I believe is if they if sorry if New York goes to the finals, it becomes a first. Or so no, only sorry the conference finals, it becomes a first round pick. And then the condition on the St. Louis pick, which is 2022 this year is they either have the option of using the 2022 second from St. Louis this year, or they can take the Rangers 2023 second next year. So basically two seconds, one which could turn into a first if the Rangers go to a conference final. And uh, Morgan Barron, who I believe is a prospect from uh, 2017 draft. So he's not really a prospect. He's 23 years old. So uh, the, the main things are the pick there. That's a pretty good haul for Andrew Kopp in a sixth. Yeah, and I really like the ability to defer on a team that's kind of a glass house this year. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, as I just said, like, if Billy Huso takes them to the conference final or so, even the second round, like, you could be like, oh, I don't see the Rangers making the third round next year. Let's do that. Like, let's take yeah. their pick instead, right? So, yeah, perfect. Yeah, uh, I, I like this trade. I would give them, uh, I'm going to say an A minus. They also traded little salary or contract for a 2022nd fourth. I'd probably give them like an A minus, maybe, maybe even an A. I just, I don't really understand why they spent a fourth on Mason Appleton and then a fifth on Zach Sanford. That's kind of what's holding me back from A, A plus, but they killed the cop trade. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with that. Like B plus, someone in that range, A minus, whatever. The yeah, buying right. made no sense, but the important thing they did, they're the higher leverage thing they did, they did really well, which was the cop trade. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, all right. Well, that's the end of the West. We have a decision to make here. Do we want to split this up into two episodes or do we just keep trucking on and have one big long episode? It doesn't matter to me. I also do not care. Yeah, I'm good either way. I don't know. I don't know what people prefer, to be honest. I prefer really long episodes, but I have no idea if that's a common belief or not. Fuck it. Let's just go long. We'll we'll skip through some of the the Eastern teams that really didn't do much, but... uh, yeah, let's, let's just go along here. I'm keeping that all in, by the way. People can hear our debate on that. <laughs> uh, we'll start with the Carolina Hurricanes and the Metro, um, a team that uh, is kind of all in, not all in this year. I mean, like they're going to have a good team no matter what, but um, they definitely made a splash. They went and picked up Max. Well, splash is maybe a bit of an aggressive word. Uh, their big trade was Max Domi. Um, they traded him from Columbus. The Florida is a middle team here. They retained 50%, which is 2.65, and got a sixth-round pick. And Igor Korshkov uh, in the mix. Korshkov, I believe he used to play for the Leafs, right? Or was the yep. Leafs draft pick? Uh, he he's was in the uh, cage drafted right before Alex Dabrinkit. Hmm, nice. Awesome. Um, yeah, he's over in the KHL right now. I'm having a pretty good season, but he's like 24. Won't be an impact player or anything. But um, Florida gets a pick uh, and a 23, 24-year-old for just taking some salary on this year. Uh, Carolina gets Aiden Restruck, which I've never heard of, but he was a third-round pick in 2021. Um, and the Panthers – or so the Panthers. The Hurricanes get Max Domi at 1.325 and – Tyler Inamoto, who is a 22-year-old fifth-round pick. Um, so basically, it's Max Domi for a prospect that doesn't seem to be that good. I'm shocked this is how little Columbus got from him, 
to be honest. Max Domi seemed like the guy that was going to get grossly overvalued by the league. Yeah, like to be fair, I don't think Max Domi's all that good. He just has the no. name brand, so I thought that he was going to get, yeah, really big paid. And, like, I think he's a decent fit on Carolina. I think he'll look a lot better on, like, their third line or whatever, but this was the this was the price you pay for Max Domi, not a first or a second or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, like, I'm sure there's utility in him on, like, your second power play unit and whatnot, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, then they signed the Cockney extension became official today. Eight by 4.82. It's clear they see him as their 2C. I think this is pretty bold. This is so unnecessary. <laughs> like, I saw Habs fans getting so pissed again at Bergeron or Bergeron, Bergevin this week because he let, like, he traded this dude. It was like, Cardinami hasn't been very good this year. Like, he's been their fourth line center and he hasn't been, like, killing that role. No. Yeah. The fact that they gave their fourth line center an eight-year contract is hilarious. Yeah, and like the thinking is Trocek's gone this year and Stahl is naturally going to be slowing down at some point. So it's like you're going to have to go in and fill it. But like I just I, – I don't see how you're like a legitimate cup contending team if Cockney is your second line center. <laughs> These are the kind of contracts you sign in Chell GM mode when the player has like four and a half star potential. Uh, because you know the game is coded such that he is going to get better in a linear fashion. Uh, but you don't get to know that in real life. Yeah, exactly. I just, I, I yeah, I don't get it, dude. Um, <laughs> I don't even have much more to say than that, to be honest. Like, No, it's, I, it's a hilarious contract. And it's a low enough AAV. He doesn't have to be that good to make it look good, but it still looks ridiculous right now. Like, I could just see it becoming, like, the Colin White contract for Carolina, where Ottawa's desperate to get out of that right now. Yep, that's a good comparable. I'm trying to think. There's another one. Another forward contract that's really unnecessary, but I can't think of it right now that it reminded me of, but maybe I'll think of it later. Yeah. Um, that was also Columbus's only move to the deadline. So, Carolina, I'll give Carolina, like, a B. I think that was a fine price to pay for Max Domi. Um, yeah, not overpaying is pretty valuable when you're a contender, to be honest. Yeah, and they already had most of their team set up this offseason. Uh, Columbus, I'll give it a, a, a B, B minus. Like they, did, they didn't really have many other players to sell. They maybe could have flipped Dean Kukin. I'm going to guess no one wanted Jonas Corposalo, although part of that sounds like because he was asking for so damn much for Corposalo. Yeah. Although the goalies don't tend to have a ton of value, and he's got an 800 save percentage for two years in a row. <laughs> he does suck. Like, yeah, even people were talking about how his name's out there. I was like, why would anyone entertain this? Yeah, an 878 what? after an 894. Yeah. Patrick Liney's the big one where um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him this summer. And again, if it's just kind of he gets flipped for like a small asset for his rights, I think that will be a mistake not to trade him at the deadline because I'm sure you would have got something for him at the deadline. But I would think you could have got a ton for him at the deadline. You would think so, but the other he one maybe have a ton for horrible players and he's over that, a point per game after being a second overall pick who's like six foot three. That's a good point, actually. You know, like 
People give up a ton for 28-year-old rentals they know we're going to, like Drew went for a first. We'll get to that in a second, obviously. Even if you knew you couldn't re-sign Line A this offseason, I would, like, if if you know you're going to need him for a run or you want goal scoring for a run, like, yeah, not like Line A would be particularly worse than, like, a Claude Giroux or something. Yeah, he's on pace to score. Like, he's scoring at a 48-goal pace right now. Yeah, you know what? That's a and maybe it was Columbus wants to resign him, which could be totally fair. But yeah, if they want to resign him, that's fine. But yeah, so um, yeah, they didn't do much. Uh, the the Devils really didn't do a ton either. Um, they flipped Andrew Hammond, or they picked up Andrew Hammond for Nate Schnarr, uh, <laughs> Waterloo guy. I would say only only cool to us because he was yeah he's from Waterloo. Um, he like worked out with Bond back in the day. Yeah, maybe we played hockey with them for a year. I can't remember. I know Logan yeah, Stanley did for some reason, but yeah, but uh, yeah, they didn't do anything else. Uh, I don't like. They didn't have a because he couldn't quite sell Dougie or Subban, I guess. Yeah, but like I, with how little cap space people had, I was going to be shocked if they picked up like if they could manage to flip Subban at that point. So yeah, um, like how best what are they getting their fifth back in that trade or something? Yeah, exactly. And like, even then you might need another team to facilitate a cap dump or whatever. Right. So, yeah. And yeah. And the only other UFA they have is Jimmy VC basically. So um, yeah, I, 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 they just didn't really need to do anything. Uh, the yep. Islanders, I don't understand why the Islanders are trying to run this back, but they signed Parise to an extension and Cal Waterbuck. Yep. That's GM of the year. Lula Morello right there. <laughs> The Clutterbuck one is like kind of whatever. Like it's two by 1.75. It's just, it's the classic thing we say with the Islanders. Like one or two of these would be fine, but you just have like nine of these contracts. Yeah. Everyone can have a Cal Clutterbuck contract. Your entire team can't be Cal Clutterbucks. Yeah. And like, so the only other thing they did, no, they didn't do anything. They didn't make a single trade. So I'm going to give them an F. I don't know who they would have traded. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a little harsh, but like they could have traded Parise. I bet you Clutterbuck would have got a third, I bet you. Yeah, like your team's actively horrible and old. Probably do something. (laughs) Dude, I just went to the gap friendly. This is so bad. Yeah, it's awful. Oh, it's worse than I remember. I forgot they signed Kyle Palmer to a four-year, $5 million extension too. Well, it looks so much worse now because we had to pretend like it was better than it was the previous few years because they kept getting good results out of this team. Now we actually get to look at it and treat each player like they're as bad as they truly are. It just looks awful. Are you surprised no one took a flyer in Sedano Charo? Yes. I am too. Like Jeremy Lawson went for a second. (laughs) Yeah, Charo is probably better than him still. Probably. And even if he's not, I was shocked no one gave up like a seventh just to have him as a seventh D-man in the room or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Big Z in there. Like, Chara is bad, but he does seem like a guy you could get a fifth for or something. Although, the kind of GM that makes that trade, usually it's for uh, Andy Green, but it's Lou Lamorello. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, maybe Chara didn't really want to go anywhere. It kind of sounded like he had his own no-move clause, even though it wasn't in his contract. Which is fair. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe he just is kind of done with it and wants to play out his year in the island. I don't really understand why he'd want to do that, but if you don't, maybe you don't want to move your family move or something. Last time, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, they didn't do much. Uh, the Rangers, they bought 
Uh, again, they, they were on the other end of this cop deal that we loved uh, for Winnipeg side. Uh, they also picked up Tyler Mott for a fourth. So they're, and Justin Braun for a third. So, and they got Frank Vitrano as well and gave up a conditional fourth. At the time of the trade, the Rangers owned their fourth round pick and Winnipeg's fourth. The pick is transferred will be the lower of the two. So I think it's fair to say their depth is better, but that's kind of a low bar to clear because their depth wasn't particularly good to begin with. And they, they paid a lot for upgrading it, not upgrading it enough, in my opinion. Yeah, they're bad still. Like they're, Their deadline made me think nothing different of this team other than they're doubling down on not being a great team. Yeah, they're doubling down on, please, God, let's just and keep being good. Yeah, and now they don't have their own second. A god amongst men. (laughs) Yes, and now they don't have their own second, own third, own fourth, own seventh, next year's (laughs) third, next year's fourth, or next year's fifth. And they might not have next year's second, which would mean they get one this year. But Anytime you can dump half your picks to be mediocre, you got to do it. And, like... The thing I don't understand either is like we kind of give a couple of the Pacific teams maybe a bit of a break because like the Pacific sucks. The Metro kind of seems like it's only going to get worse. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's getting worse before it gets better. Well, even like Carolina's going to get worse this offseason, I think. Yeah. Like they're going to lose. Cooked. Pittsburgh's getting older. Like Philly's about to rebuild. Like Philly sucks. I don't think. I like the Devils, but I don't think they're going to take such a step forward that you have to be worried about them or anything. Yeah. And Columbus is still in a retool or re- slash rebuild kind of thing here too. So it's like, there's a chance that if, like, let's say the bottom just kind of finds, falls out of Washington and Pittsburgh is just, they're like a playoff team, but not like a dangerous team, right? Like Pittsburgh goes from like the sixth best team in the league to the 12th or whatever. Yeah, there's an yeah. avenue next year where the Metro is like Carolina, who's like the fifth or sixth best team. Pittsburgh, who's like the 12th best team. Washington might be like the 20th best team. And then you have like four Metro teams in that 20 area, or 20 to 26. And then New York could have taken advantage there. Instead, it's just like they're kind of going all in in a year where it's like, I do still don't mind the Penguins. And I think Carolina is very, very good. Yeah, like they're not favored against Carolina or Pittsburgh, right? I don't think so. Maybe you could argue Pittsburgh if you really are leaning into goalie effects, I guess. Yeah, but but that's leaning into the least predictable part of the sport. And like, yeah, like how comfortable are you doing that? Yeah, Pittsburgh has a better goal differential despite playing without Sid for half the year and Malkin for half the year and all that stuff. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I really, um, I, I like it shouldn't, people won't be surprised when they hear, I didn't like something the New York Rangers did, but I, I would give them, I, I can't give them an F because I do think they actually upgrade. It's not like they got absolutely shitty players. A cop's a fine player. I think they just paid too much for them. Yeah. I think I'd give them like a C kind of just, like I, a, I was thinking around there too. C, maybe a C minus, maybe a C plus, depending on if you like Braun and cop, maybe a little more than I do, but yeah. I kind of missed when the league decided cop was good, but for some he's reason, fine. he's a god tier bottom six in the eyes of everyone. It's because yeah. for some reason, I think people really did not want to give Toronto any credit last year and they were clawing at anything they could. And Washington became that team where it's like, nah, they're way better than Toronto. Yeah. So, 
Um, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, on the Philly, obviously, so they have one really big trade. Uh, they trade uh, Claude Giroux. Uh, they get back. And, and sorry, they also trade Connor Bonneman, uh, a 2024 fifth, and German Rupsoff, which I've never heard of. I've only heard of Bonneman because he played for the Kitchener Rangers years ago, which is how I know he is not a young prospect anymore. He's 23 years old. Um, I don't know if he's ever really done anything in the NHL. I'm just checking right now. No, he's had zero points in 15 games this year, one point in 18 games last year, two in 21 games the year before. So he's not an anything player. Um, so it's basically just Giroux for Owen Tippett, a 2023 third, a 2024, 2024 first. Uh, and that's conditional. <laughs> and the condition on this is if it's a top 10, Philadelphia will still instead receive Florida's 2025 first round pick. So it could be a pick four years in advance. Um, and, and that's all. Um, Obviously, we'll get to this from the Panther side of things, but uh, for Philly, I thought it was a little bit of an underwhelming trade, but it sounds like Giroux's no-move clause really, really forced where this was going. Yeah, it sounds like this was all Giroux's leverage, which uh, you gave him you gave him that right when you gave him the no-move. Uh, he was awesome for you, so you wouldn't undo the no-move. You got a chance to do it again, but you reap what you sow. Yeah, and like given he was basically only going to Florida and then maybe Colorado, if he came down to the last second, I don't think it's like, it's not a horrible return. I think it works in their favor that they couldn't ask for this year's first round pick. Yes. Or even next year. Like I think, I think it's really smart with this Panthers team. The longer you can, the longer out you can get a top, uh, the first round for that's probably better. Yep. Cause Florida's good, but they're low key old. Yeah, well, like in two years, like that's when the Duclair, I like for Haggy and Duclair, I believe will all be up. So, like, it's not a given that they're just going to be amazing for three, four years. Yeah, well, like three years from now, Huberto's thirty-one, Barkov's twenty-nine, Ekblad's only twenty something, but who knows how many injuries that guy will have? Yeah, exactly. And like Huberto's either fallen off or his salary doubles by the time this contract that pick comes into play and all that stuff so i like it yeah um so i would say the biggest thing that pisses me off about the deadline is just doubling down on rasmus or and so i can't give them more than a c yeah i'm gonna give them a d because the more important long-term thing they did was signing rasmus for and that was hilariously stupid yeah so i and the only reason they're not getting the d here is because i think getting a 2024 which could be a 2025 first isn't the worst uh, thing in the world. I think Owen Tippett, the fact that he was the centerpiece prospect is kind of insane. He's 23 already, but he is probably an NHL player. Like it kind of felt like the classic Florida just had too much depth and that's why he's not in the NHL. But yeah. And like he mocked the AHL and stuff. So I'm, I'm sure he can be like a third liner or second liner or whatever. Yeah. So um, on to the Pittsburgh Penguins who made a late, uh, late addition on the deadline this year. It kind of looked like they might be staying pat. They really didn't have a ton of space to work with, which was why I was uh, pretty impressed. They, they picked up uh, Ricard Raquel at uh, 35% retained. Again, we gave uh, we already went through earlier what they gave up. Zach Hassan Reese, Dominic Simon, Cal Klang, and uh, 2022 second. I don't hate this for Raquel. We thought Raquel was going to get really overvalued and maybe slightly still, but I, if he's on your second or third line, it's a lot better than like, plugging him into like trying kickstart your first line or anything like that. 
Yeah, he's probably pretty overrated, but luckily they don't need him to be great. Like, for whatever reason, his name just stuck forever. The last time Raquel was legitimately good was when I built a player evaluation model in 2016-17, which is like five or six seasons ago now. But luckily, it looks like they just need him to finish chances on Malkin's line, which uh, he should be able to do. Yeah, Donald Shizhen loved this trade for them. And I, that's kind of what, like, when he's loving something, it's like, oh, maybe I should reevaluate. Because I just kind of, he was one of the guys I wouldn't have touched, but you know, like for a second, there's a lot worse things you can do. And this is kind of one, and, and it's definitely not fair always to judge trades like this, but this is definitely one where it's like, I graded a lot less harsh because it's Pittsburgh making it versus like if LA did this. Just because they're all in right now. Yeah. Like Pittsburgh doesn't have anything to lose. Whereas it's like LA, it's like, I wouldn't be giving up a second just to probably go lose in the first round, you know, whereas Pittsburgh, it's like, if we lose in the first or third, it doesn't matter. Crosby and Malkin are getting a year older, right? So, yeah. Yeah, it makes more sense for Pittsburgh than almost anyone else. Yeah. Um, they also picked up Nathan Bullhue for a 2022 seventh-round pick, and the condition is if Penguins win three playoff series and Bullhue plays in 50% of the games, it's a seventh. And that's <laughs> it. So so they basically got Nathan Bullhue for free, and if they uh, – Go to the cup final, they have to pay a seventh, which I'm sure they will gladly take. And that's if Bullyu is also actually playing too. So, um, yeah, I don't, that's whatever. Yeah, that's fine. That is very clearly a we don't trust anyone in their AHL. And if we get cucked with uh, injuries in the playoffs, we just want someone who has a, some experience. So, just a warm body. And Pittsburgh's won cups with simply warm bodies there. So, exactly. Uh, I would probably give them a B, like, I don't think they did anything special, but they added one fine player and they didn't have a lot of room to do anything else. So, yeah, I'll give them B minus. They kind of did what they probably should have done, which is not do anything ridiculous, but they made their team marginally better. Yeah, exactly. And like, again, like I think they're clearly the second best team in their division, probably like the sixth, fifth or sixth best in the conference, but like, the good news is, you know, two of those teams are going to be eliminated by the time you get to the third round, assuming you are just stay top three in your own division, right? So, Yeah, 100%. It just sucks for them because they're the sixth best team in their conference, but the ninth best team in the playoffs if Vegas misses. Yeah, exactly. So um, Washington, they pick up Johan Larson right. for a third. Uh, they also pick up Marcus Johansson for Daniel Sprong, a fourth and a sixth. And that is all they did this deadline, which is all they could do. Again, I don't have much to say. It's cool seeing Johansson go back. He's not the player he once was with Washington. They just kind of added some depth, which is like they probably needed. Uh, I didn't love their forward depth or anything like that. I still don't like think it's outstanding or anything. Again, I think I would be way more lower on this kind of stuff if it wasn't like, well, yeah, like Ovechkin's still playing pretty well. So you owe it to him to just try to keep going for it. But they are very clearly to me probably the eighth best team in the conference, to be honest, because I think Shesterkin, like this is all the one team I can fully say I trust Shesterkin more than just about anyone on the team. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely fair. I think this was the definition of like a C off or trade deadline. Like you upgraded some depth. You didn't pay anything crazy, but uh, you also did not touch your Stanley cup odds at all. Yeah, exactly. So um, onto the Atlantic division where the Boston Bruins are the team we're starting with. It's the arms race in the Atlantic. Uh, Boston's really come on of late, like to the point where I think they've really started to mix up and 
to show people like, hey, we are not that distance of a fourth place team in this division anymore. Um, they pick up Josh Brown from the Senators uh, and a seventh round pick for Zach Sension and a fifth. Uh, the condition on the fifth is that if, or sorry, on the seventh is that if Sension plays more than five games with Ottawa before the end of the 2021-22 season, the seventh becomes a sixth. I think it is pretty likely Sension will. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I think he will probably get a cup of tea up here with Ottawa. Uh, Josh Brown's not very good. It, I, if he's your sixth, seventh defenseman, it's probably fine. And like Sension's already a 24, 25 year old is not an NHL level player. So he didn't really give up too much for him. Like it, there's a very good chance you swap a fifth for a sixth for a guy who will give you some depth. But the big move they made was Hampus Lindholm. For John Moore, Earl Vakaninen, 2023 first, 2023 second, 2024 second. Uh, this is a lot, dude. And then they they double down and sign Hampus Lindholm to a contract extension. Uh, it is eight years at $6.5 million. The cap hit right now is probably okay, but for a 28-year-old defenseman who's been declining for like three years, eight years is way too much. Yeah, this is pretty sketchy. And, like, the one thing I think I hate most about this contract is the fit, right? Like, Boston has the best skating defensive team in the league, and they just added a player who's either – who's probably washed up, but the last time he provided legitimate value was defensively. Uh, I'm not sure how much more you could possibly push that edge if you're Boston. I also, like – He's a left-handed defenseman. Yep. I don't really understand why that was the area of need. Actually, no, never mind. I thought I thought Charlie McAvoy is a right-handed or a left-handed D. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that back. Because um, yeah, like Grizzlick and Riley are. I thought it was McAvoy, Riley, and Grizzlick, and I was like, I don't really understand why you need to upgrade on that. But um, yeah, okay, that's a little different. I just, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't. The, the biggest problem to me is the extension because unlike Pittsburgh and Washington, there was like a non, like a non hard way to see how this team continues to be a really good team. Even if Bergeron and Marchand maybe take a step back. Because yeah, like they don't need to be as all in. No, like you, and granted it's a little harder now, like people thought they were going to be the landing spot for hurdle and he was going to be that one C where, uh, Bergeron could even take a step back and you still have hurdle one Bergeron two, or even when Bergeron retires, you have a uh, hurdle Pasternak up front. And then obviously McAvoy at 24 on the blue line, giving um, Lindholm this much money just kind of feels like it, it's going to kind of hamstring them. Like, you know, like when, whenever Bergeron does, and it might still be two years before Bergeron falls off. It just kind of feels like an unnecessary long-term commitment. Yeah, 100%. This is a window-shortening move. And then you mix that in with uh, DeBrusque. It sounded like one to trade. They signed him to a two-year, $4 million extension. And the reasoning behind that was he had a $4.6 million qualifying offer this year that I guess was scaring teams. I don't really understand why 600 k more or 600 k less was going to be the thing that convinces teams they should take on Jake DeBrusque. Um, but they didn't end up moving him either. So I'm not going to – I'm going to give Boston's deadline a C. Maybe even a C minus. I I didn't love. I I really don't like the Lindholm fit for them. Yeah, that's fair. I was gonna say D. Like, I Lindholm 
might be great. Maybe he's going to be that transition god that he used to be, but also, um, because every time a player who used to be good gets acquired like this, everybody's in a rush to be like, oh no, like whatever, it's just context. Well, one thing you have to accept if we accept that aging curves are the way that we know they are is the guy who's 28 years old might actually just be not as good as he used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so, um, yeah. Uh, sorry, Buffalo fans. We're not really going to talk about you here. Their only move is Robert Hag uh, out for a sixth round pick in. They didn't really have a ton more to sell. Like, obviously, the other big piece was Jack Eichel earlier this year. Um, and then other than that, like their UFAs were Cody Eakin. Not surprised no one took him. Vinny Hinestrosa, maybe you could have flipped him, but maybe they want to just keep him for another year or whatever. Uh, Will Butcher, Colin Miller, and Mark Pissick on the back end. Maybe you could have moved one of those guys, I guess. Yeah, they probably could have, but. I'm going to give them a C plus, but like it wasn't brutal. They just didn't really have a ton to do and they didn't do much of anything. Yep, that's fair so, enough. Yeah, um, the Detroit Red Wings. They, uh, I say they sold Vlad Nemestikov for a fourth round pick. They retained 50% and then they picked up Sunquist and a second in 2023 for Nick Letty uh, and a seventh for Troy Stetcher. Um, again, like, I give them like a B. They got a couple picks for guys they don't really need, a couple who are, I don't even think, particularly good. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you suck and you got picks. It's hard to go wrong there. Yeah. And again, like, they're another team that they're kind of in that middle spot now where they, They've sold aggressively for a couple of years. They don't have a ton to sell now. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Florida, ooh, man, did they ever buy. Um, so obviously they're their first this year coming in because of the Sam Reinhardt trade, but they double down. They go, we're getting Ben Chirot. Uh, They gave up a fourth, a 2022 fourth, a 2023 first, uh, which is conditional. And so is the fourth. And Ty's, I don't even know how to say his last name. It's Melanic. I think he was their third round pick in 2020. So not like a great prospect or anything, but not a nothing prospect either. Condition on the fourth is the New York Ranger fourth round pick is conditional in a previous trade with New York. At the time of the previous trade, Rangers owned their phone fourth and Winnipeg's fourth. Florida received the lower of the two. Um, so in that event, Florida receives Winnipeg's fourth. Montreal instead see Winnipeg's fourth. So it's a fourth round pick. Um, and then the first, the first round pick in 2022 is top 10 per back protected in the event that Panthers retain their 2022 first round pick they will no longer own their 2023 first round pick and Montreal would still get instead get their 2024 first round pick Jesus yeah that's tough oh I didn't even I didn't even think about that that that's why they had to trade the late like 2025. One so like that's a four years in advance. That's even a more years that I, oh my God, that's insane. Yeah. And then also they, for Giroux, we already went through Tippett 2023 third. And then the 2024 first, that uh, would be a 2025. <laughs> what an interesting like duo of trades. Yeah. So like, I just like, they definitely made their team better. And I mean, Ben Chirot, they way overpaid for, you know, but he is an NHL player of some caliber. And if he's on their third pair, it's probably okay. But then the, the other problem is Aaron Eckblad goes down, is out for the rest of the regular season for sure, and maybe even later. Um, so they pick up Robert Hag, which 
not a great replacement for uh, Aaron Ekblad, who was having another really good season. Yeah, Hag is not a good player. Hag's never been particularly good either. Like, I don't know where you would have believed that. Florida's a really hard team because I think they made the biggest overpayment and the most impactful trade at the same time. I would agree. Like, I think that that Giroux trade really, I they are up there. If if they're not for sure, they're up there with like, no, you know what? I, I They're much better. And, and, and unless Nylander and Tavares really have to become like the dynamic duo we think of them for Toronto to match this forward depth right now. Yeah. And Absolutely. like they, I think they rival Tampa's pretty easily as well. Um, like Reinhardt has been amazing since they had him and they just added Claude Giroux so they could move another guy down. But the, the line of Anton Lindell, Sam Reinhardt, and uh, I think it's Carter Verhage maybe is on that left wing. It's just been amazing. Duclair, Sam Bennett, uh, Huberto, obviously, even though he doesn't play defense. Um, but like Barkov, like they're, they're just loaded up front. Yeah, yeah, like they're absolutely freaking stacked. And that's the league MVP, uh, Jonathan Huberto, to you. Yeah, yes, yeah. How could I forget? Um, but yeah, their defense is a little more interesting because it's Brandon Montour, Mackenzie Weger, Gustav Forsling, who are all probably better defensemen than you think of them as. Uh, and then Radko Gudis, Ben Sherratt, and then Robert Hag right now is going to be the top six. But, you know, obviously Aaron Ekblad changes that a lot because if you have Aaron Ekblad playing as a number one defenseman, everyone moves down a peg and it suddenly looks like a good defense, like a deep defense core. Whereas right now it's just kind of like, Ooh, you cannot have anyone playing above where they should be, or you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, you really need Ekblad there to push everyone else down. So, I I don't know, man. I I I love Florida's forward depth, but I'm not. Like everyone's always like jokes on Toronto, but when's the last time Florida made it out of the first round? I think it was the last time they went to the Cup in like '96. Yeah, it's been a while. And like, like that, they haven't really been good in like our entire lifetime. No, and like everyone talks about how big of an issue Toronto's defensive core is. Yeah, Florida's is worse. Yeah, it's like with Ekblad there, it's not marginally like it's not like aggressively worse. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. But without Ekblad, like, yeah, it's not better by any stretch of the imagination. No, especially so, not post Giordano trade. Yeah, exactly. So, I, yeah, Florida is definitely all in clearly this year. And so they don't, have their, they don't have their first this year, next year, or in 2024. They don't have their second this year, and they don't have their third uh, next year, and they don't have their second in 2024 already. So uh, they are definitely going with the strategy of loading up on, on late-round picks to see if it goes. And Barkov's extension kicks in next year at 10 mil. Um, so, and then, and so does Verhage, who's getting a $3 million raise. So, you're uh they're gonna go up about nine million on the cap and i don't really see a ton coming off so it'll be interesting what they do but they've made it clear that this is the year they're going for it and good luck to that like i don't think it's the worst idea necessarily i'd rather see them do this i guess than just kind of go half in half out and lose to the tampa bay lightning in the first or second round every year but yeah like you're six points up on the defending champs for tops of your division you can never really blame them for going for it in that scenario especially when it's it's so bad for so long and it's not like last year where they were six points up on tampa in the same division like tampa came third in that division but tampa didn't have kucherov for the entire year and was just like 
clearly just kind of playing their way through the regular season. A hundred percent. And you're, you're like plus 40 goal differential above Tampa. Like definitely take your shot. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would give it a, I'm going to give it a B because I, I do like the Drew trade. I think that makes it really good, but they, they overpaid so much for Sherrod too. So yeah. Um, Montreal's the next team, obviously the team that sold Sherrod. So, uh, you know, they just got the picks that we uh, said, um, they had obviously sold to fully earlier. They get, they sold Lekkonen for Justin Barron in a 2024 second, which I do. I really like that trade for Montreal. You know, Lekkonen's a really, really good player, but he wasn't going to fit with this rebuild. I think Justin Barron's a solid prospect. Um, and, a 2024 seconds also, you know, useful enough to have. Um, and then getting another second for Kulak uh, and uh, William Lagason, who would probably step in on their blue line, just get a shot as well. Um, I, I think they had a, a decent deadline considering there wasn't a ton I thought they were going to trade other than Sherrod either. So, yeah, 100%. And they get to add more picks and whatnot. And again, team that sucks doing that's always good. And maybe they can find another Christian Dvorak this summer with all those picks. Yeah, I'm going to give them an A for this deadline. And part of me almost want to go lower because I thought that, you know, like the Sherratt trade almost isn't surprising given the narrative that, that we've been hearing. But the narrative is boosted by the team selling him. And they yep. identified him as a guy this summer that are like uh, heading into this year that were like, yep, Sherratt is worth a first round pick. Sherratt is worth a first round pick. And just bury that in the ground to the point where by the time this deadline came around, everyone just knew it was a fact he was going for a first. Yeah. So. Good for them. Um, the Senators, oh, man. So we're going so long here. I, I think I might save my massive rant for Wednesday when I record um, my Sense podcast. But the main thing I can say is what the fuck are you doing spending a third-round pick on fucking Travis Hamanek in 2022? Yeah. <laughs> Get the hell out of here with that. This, this pro scouting team has learned nothing over the past four years. Three years ago, people accepted it because you said, oh, the, all they did was bring in guys that DJ Smith liked. And people went, well, it doesn't matter. We're not supposed to be good. And then last year, they bring in Eric Branson and bring Coburn. And people go, well, they're still supposed to be kind of rebuilding, so it doesn't matter. And then this year, they bring in Michael Delzato and keep Josh Brown. And people go, well, it could be worse. They're supposed to be okay this year, or not like they're not supposed to be a bottom five team this year, but these guys are good. And guess what? Injuries have played a part, but they suck. And just as they're going to get rid of Josh Brown, they go, No, we need another shit defenseman to play on our right side. <laughs> and they specifically said they want him in the top four. This is their top four defenseman they think they're acquiring. And they want to play him with Jake Sanderson. Or Sanderson. I guess like maybe they just think because it worked so well with Carlson and Shabbat giving them dog shit partners for their entire career that this is just how you actually develop good left-handed defensemen. <laughs> yeah. But like what on earth? It makes it even worse that Travis Hamnick was on waivers this year. Yeah, and you gave up waivers. a you gave up a third round pick for this dude. Philip Myers was on waivers the day before. He's four years younger, equally as bad, but at least has a little bit of upside because he's 25 years old and would have been free and only cost 2.275. Yeah, this is why, like, this team could draft Connor McDavid in the sixth round next year, and I'd still be skeptical that they're actually a good drafting team and not just lucky 
Because if you don't even understand what makes a good NHL player, I'm so skeptical that you're actually smart at the draft table. I think Pierre Dorian's just an idiot, to be honest. I, I, I do like their, their head scout, Trent Mann, is I, I do think like I don't think they're a god drafting team or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But I do think they have, but like, it is clear they don't have a pro scouting department. Their whole pro scouting department is literally just asking, you know why they wanted Travis Hamannick? Because Jack Cap of whatever the hell his last name is, coached the Islanders six years ago when Travis Hamannick was part of the Islanders. Oh, Capuano or whatever. Capuano, yes. And, and he literally said, I liked him when I coached him back then. That was over half a decade ago. Yeah, that was when he was actually good. <laughs> yeah, Travis Hamannick was a young up-and-comer at that point. This was pathetic and just this was like an unforced error, too. Like it's one thing when a contender does a stupid buy. When you're the senators, this is awful. To make it even worse, they have two right-handed defensemen who are NHL ready, probably now, in Lassie Thompson and Jer- Jacob Bernard Docker, but for sure next year. And they've now blocked them again, unless they plan on firing Zaitsev into the sun, which I don't know how they're gonna do that. Yeah, because nobody can take that. To make it even better, you know how we were talking about Brock Besser and the cap issues with Vancouver. If you don't do this in the summer, they're going to be very pressed. And Ottawa is a prime fit for a guy like Brock Besser. Oh, yeah. This would be perfect for them. So you've now not only took on a shit player on purpose, you've given up an asset for it. You've blocked your own rookies and you've made it harder to get someone that was a realistic guy to get in the summer. Yep. This team, like, this is one of the stupidest moves I've seen from a team that has made a lot of pretty dumb trades in the past couple of years. And I get it. It's, quote, unquote, only a third-round pick. But it's the thought process behind it that is so worrying and frustrating because it just shows they've learned absolutely freaking nothing from their errors over the past four years. Yeah. Yeah. This this is just not a bright organization, clearly. No. Like – and I don't know. Like, people are like, oh, this is Pierre Maguire's work. And I'm sure it was. but. The problem isn't specifically that they hired Pierre Maguire. It's that everyone also thinks like Pierre Maguire in this front office. Yeah, yeah, you don't hire him because you think he's a moron. No, because even if Pierre Maguire went and got this specific player, this is no different than going and giving up assets for Erica Branson last year or Ron Hainsey at 39 years old. Like, it's just a long, a brain cobalt. Like, it's just such a long list of defensemen who suck. Yep. Such a pain in the ass. They trade Nick Paul to Tampa Bay. Get Matthew Joseph back, who's kind of like Nick Paul, but two years younger. Um, And a million cheaper. And a fourth-round pick from Tampa. I I thought it was a fine trade. There's only so many times you can go get sixth-round picks or whatever. So uh, Matthew Joseph will get a shot in their bottom six to be a kind of effective player. He's not doesn't really bring a ton offensively, but has been solid defensively this year. And that's kind of what Nick Paul brought as well. Just Paul's two years older and probably a little bit better as well. So I didn't hate that trade. And then uh, Ascension for Josh Brown and they got a pickup grade. Uh, getting anything in positive note for Josh Brown is cool, I guess. And then a fifth for Zach Sanford. I think, you know, I, I said C plus on Twitter today. The more I think about this stupid Amnick trade, I don't know if I'm being, am I being too passionate if I give them an F? No, I don't think so. It's one of those ones where like the raw impact isn't horrible, but the process is just pathetic. Yeah. I, I think like I'll say a D, maybe a D minus. 
The, I, the Nick Paul trade was a little better than I thought it was going to be. I thought they were just going to take a third run. So to get a one round different and like an actual NHL player from in Matthew Joseph, I don't mind. But yeah. But yeah, like the Hamannick trade is just going to be, and and they re-sign Anton Forsberg for three years at two point seven five as well. I get it, you don't trust Matt Murray, but my God, how many times do you need to go through the Nielsen and the Condon and the Hammond contracts, which is this exact contract to realize that twenty good games from a goalie does not mean you need to give him three years and seven million dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but don't worry, it'll work out this time. Oh, this team just, uh, they blow my mind. Um, Tampa, we already talked about. We, we can skip Tampa. I, again, we gave, we gave them a, a B, I think it was, kind of in there. So the last team, which uh, obviously I think, you know, we talk about a lot, but, you know, maybe, well, let's try and keep it short because we're, we're approaching two hours here. But it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, their big deal was Mark Giordano. Uh, they send out, obviously, Travis Dermott for a third, but they uh, trade for Mark Giordano to half retain and Colin Blackwell, who, uh, I think it could be an underrated part of this trade. I, I like Colin Blackwell, especially just like a, a left winger or uh, sorry, a right winger, I guess, but he might, he might be able to play the left a little bit if they need him to, who will just kind of be a, I think helps their depth out, which they, they needed a little bit. They give him two seconds in the third. So definitely uh, a big price, but um, I don't know. I, I think to me, this move was better than like committing for a goalie or something like that. Like we talked about that last week. I like, I don't think they need to go overpay for a goalie. I think you're probably better just trusting that Jack Campbell is not a nine or an eight eighty goalie or whatever. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like Mark Giordano will make life easier on whichever goalie is struggling. Yep. And so they waived Peter Morazic to get the cap to work here. No one took him, but then they signed a dude from the KHL and Arizona claimed him off of waivers today, which to me is just objectively hilarious. Yeah. It, uh, I think so, sometimes so Toronto. Yes, I think sometimes Leafs fans go a little too overboard with the like people only do this because it's Toronto. But the waiver thing is definitely something behind that. They have like eleven, and like I don't, I still don't like. We've talked about this before too, right? Where I don't think it's as aggressive as Leaf fans make it out to be because like everyone bragged in the offseason about how much depth the Leaf had, Leafs had, and then we're confused when that depth got claimed off of waivers because they were legit NHL players. Yeah, 100%. It's necessarily true if you're super deep that you're going to be more attracted to your players on waivers. Yeah, but like a dude who hasn't been in the NHL for like three years and what he did play like nine games or whatever getting signed from the KHL is yeah. so funny to me. But yeah, especially like you could have just signed him yourself. <laughs> I know, but like, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't have blamed that goalie for not wanting to go to Arizona. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's actually fair. I wouldn't have, especially if he's from overseas make the trek to play for the coyotes but yeah i, I really like the leash deadline as a whole i thought it was very reasonable and yeah, given th- their playoff history i think a replacement level gm does a lot of unreasonable shit i thought it was level-headed for like how much panic was coming into the with the team into this deadline um yeah you know they they got the defensemen so people can shut up about that and it was an actual like i, I like Giordano, and it'll be interesting to see how they use them because he's a left-handed d right like he plays yeah. the left side? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That, that was, was he's a left-handed D correct, is what I should say. Um, so they have a suit, like they say it kind of sounds like the way they approach is they're expecting Muzzin to be healthy playing good matchups. This playoffs. in the playoffs, Dubas so, has said that. Although they expect Sandine to be hurt, presumably for the yes. rest of the regular season. Yep. Sandine's got a knee injury, it sounds like, and we'll be out for a little while. But 
even like Sandine or no Sandine, the right side is where they were weak, right? So I, I mean, I'm curious to see if they try and move anyone to the right or if they just play Giordano in the third pair and just have him dominate third pair matchups. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do that. I wonder if they try to go with like Sandine on the right at some point. Possibly. I don't know. They basically have seven, maybe eight NHL defensemen once Muzzin comes back. They have a lot of flexibility, actually. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, like a lot of them are left handed if you have Sandine and Muzzin back, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. You have Brody, you can play the right, but it's basically just whole Lubuchkin and Lilligren, which are like objectively the weaker part of that group. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, I guess Brody's a first pair, right? That's just kind of locked in there. But left side, yeah. Yeah. Or left, left hand, I mean, yeah. Left hand, yeah. But he, he's been playing the right all year, and I don't I don't really see that changing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fine. And, like, I, I thought that Travis Dermott for a third was a pretty good bet for Vancouver. Again, like, I'd much rather see Travis Dermott for a third than Travis Hamannick. Um, So Yeah, that was kind I, of a win-win to me. Yeah, so I was just about to say, as much as I think it was a good trade for Vancouver, I think – getting a guy who was clearly in your coach's eyes, the ninth defenseman on the team. Now that's pretty good value too. Right. Yeah. A third for your ninth D and like, not even just in your coach's eyes. Like I know regression models are relatively high on Dermot compared to the average fan, but I think any sort of war model would still have him as your ninth defenseman. Yeah. At very best, like seventh or eighth, like he was not cracking the top six of this team anymore. No. And you got a third for him, which is great. Yeah, so, um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was a fine deadline. I would give them a, a B, B plus maybe. Like, I yep. I think the panic over their goaltending is maybe a little overblown. Even, like, I don't know, because, like, Morazic doesn't look like he can play net right now, but this idea that Morazic is just, like, a non-NHL goalie and there's no chance he can even put up, like, a 9-10 or something like that, or 9-0-5 seems crazy to me. Yeah, it's hilarious because, like, Morazic's struggled before and come back from it before like you don't have to look that far in the past yeah and like again like i don't think morazic i would be much more you need campbell to be the guy leading you into playoffs not morazic but like this idea that you know just ride shelgren because he's hot right now but if he starts to stumble the idea that they could never possibly go back to morazic if campbell's still not healthy just seems so weird to me yeah there's been way too much talk about the leafs as if you can predict goaltending yeah. Yes. So Which you just absolutely can't do whether you wish you could or not. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's all 32 teams uh, and our thoughts on the deadline. Uh, it, it was a busier deadline than I thought to be a deadline day. I, I, but even like once we finished today, I kind of went, Oh, I didn't feel like a lot happened, but I just think it was because there wasn't a ton of like huge Big names stuff. that got traded today. You know, yeah, it was like, like quantity over quality kind of thing. And we knew a bunch of the big ones coming in. Yeah, and then like when Hurdle and Forsberg and Klingberg all weren't on the market anymore, it's like, okay, well, there goes, you know, most of the, most the intriguing guys <laughs> that would have been moved today. So Half of what we could actually expect to be good. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, thank you everyone so much for listening. Uh, as always, you can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. We have so much trade stuff out right now, so go check all that out. Uh, I've done a bunch of signing articles and just all kinds of stuff that's on the site. Um, you can find me on Twitter at NHL sends and stuff. And uh, if you want to hear me, I'm probably lose my mind more this week, later this week on my other podcast about the Hamannick trade 
at last word on sends is that podcast wherever you listen to this podcast um you can find chase on twitter at cm hockey 66 all of chase's stuff at actionnetwork.com uh, thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back at you next weekend